Hello, listener. We are back with another episode of From Gay to Z, a podcast created by two queer parents, four queer parents, or actually even anyone who's just curious about the day-to-day reality of having and raising children when you're not cis or straight. And as you'll discover by listening to this episode, we also talk a lot about non-parenting related stuff as well. Yes, we do indeed. Stu's right. I am Lottie Jeffs. Hello, hello. And this is my dear friend, the Holly to my Phil, the Judy to my Richard, the Bert to my Ernie. It's Mr. Stu Oakley. But we're, we're not going to be cue jumpers if we're Holly and Phil, right? We're not going to do a cue jump. Wait, I don't get the reference. Excuse me? I don't. What happened? What? Oh my goodness. Listen, I'm not even going to bother explaining here right now, but I'll, I'll have a chat with Lottie afterwards about it. No, no, I really want to know. Holly and Phil almost got completely cancelled like a couple of months ago because they were accused of skipping the Queen's funeral queue. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh my I God. Did, I How did you not see that. any of this? Like literally they were on the verge. I don't know. It's the algorithm. Blame the algorithm. They were on the verge of being cancelled and I'm so, and they still are on dodgy ground to be honest. So Really? Okay, I totally missed yeah, that. Yeah, so if I'm, if I'm the holly to your fill, then, you know, we might not be around for long. Okay, well you can be the Bert to my Ernie. I like that. We have Munro Bergdorf joining us today. We do. The fabulous Munro. I'm very excited about it. She has a new book coming out called Transitional. So we're going to have a really good chit chat to her. But what else has been going on in your world before she joins us, Lot? Oh, okay. Um, what's been going on? Uh, it, well, the school parent association thing, which when I started... Are you on it? I'm not on it per se, but I was very enthusiastic about it. Like if we're talking motherland, I'm like Kevin, enthusiastic, (laughs) like really keen. You look a bit like Kevin, actually. I know, I definitely feel like Kevin. If you had a perm, you would be Kevin. Thank you, I really think that that's a great compliment. Of course. Um, Anyway, (laughs) I would like really authentically enthusiastic like really want to get involved like maybe overly keen because we're queer and I'm like look we're just like everyone else (laughs) so really up for stuff so it's quite a like middle class state school (laughs) so we've been to a cheese and wine evening nice at the school already which I liked which was really fun we got a bit a bit cheese good wine no um good wine cheese the some the person that bought the cheese admitted that they were a vegan and didn't know anything about cheese. Uh, so I would say that like the cheese element wasn't up to par, but the wine was great. And we got chatting some of the parents and, you know, got a bit drunk and had a laugh. But so someone on the parent teacher committee, and God, I'm, I am really hoping that nobody at, at the school listens to this because it's very well-meaning, but whoever runs the school committee thought, thought it was a good idea to do a silent disco. Oh, God. A silent disco for the kids during the school day, which is great, fun, Oh, yeah, brilliant, for the kids, Really great. up for that. Yeah. But then this... I can wear my glasses. Yeah, then this woman who is like... I don't know. I don't know her. She's it's a very enthusiastic person, and um, obviously this is something that she's very passionate about, but she's decided to put on a silent disco for the parents. 7.30pm at night, in the school hall, with a bar... And a silent disco. So can you think of anything worse than going into the school hall at 7.30pm with a load of other parents who you don't really know very well, listening to 
music on your headphones and just like dancing to your own <laughs> song. I guess that's how silent disco works and not really being able to talk to each other. It's like so cringe. And I don't know who is going to sign up for this. I think it's going to take a very particular kind of parent. So I'm afraid me and Jenny are out on this one. There's no way we're going to do it. Would you Would you do it? I think I'm with you on that. Mm. I think see, our kind of like parent groups do like lots of like pub meets and stuff. Mm. And I, I, John and I struggle to go to any form of social event. <laughs> the thought of a silent disco does fill me with a deep sense of dread. Mm. The only thing I think that would be a positive to it is that you wouldn't have to speak to a lot of people, which for someone like me is quite appealing. <laughs> but I know you like to blah with like I'd much rather blah with but... someone than like stand around doing cringe dancing <laughs> Dance. where like because you're not listening to the music together. You're not like in the zone. What would you choose? What would you be bopping along to? Rachmaninoff, Beethoven, Debussy. <laughs> But you'd just get like really, you'd become like Kate Blanchett in Tar, like waving your hands around and being all like, I am a composer right now. Is that the, yeah, is that that the style would be the vibe you'd go for? for? Or just like some really oh hardcore, word. violent hip hop or drill. <laughs> <laughs> I love oh, it. No. I love it. Stu, how are you? What have you been up to? I am really good. I don't know how this is going to translate listeners so bear with me because literally two minutes before I got onto this podcast record the postman just literally put this <gasps> oh my the door. god so exciting am, it's an uh, an unboxing a live podcast unboxing now I have in my hand a package which is from Pam McMillan who is the publisher of our book I'm hoping inside is the first ever proof okay. of the book. Shall I open it now? Yeah, go for it. I wanted to do it, and I wanted to do it with Lottie, because obviously she's the co-author, and this is our baby Ooh, we've worked on together. It's a bit asmr isn't it, with the opening? <gasps> I might cry. Oh, no, let's see. Hold this it up. This is really weird. My post person hasn't been yet. Oh! <gasps> wow. It's not a final copy. It's the proof copy, the advanced copy. <gasps> hold it up oh I'm jealous I want to see it it looks big I can't believe we wrote so many words it's really big it's long Christ we must we've waffled on we really how have. many pages did we do Lottie it's 482 pages bloody hell oh, oh my god listener please, so please so listener support us in our support endeavors us. and pre-order you can pre-order the book if you're or if you're listening to this after May 2023 you can buy the book we'd really appreciate it Yes, our our book is The Queer Parent, Everything You Need to Know from Gay to Z. And I will read it. This informative, funny, empowering title from the hosts of the award-winning podcast, Some Families, and dare I say the future award-winning from Gay to Z, <laughs> is the first mainstream LGBTQ plus parenting book to publish in the UK. Hurrah! Out in time for Pride Month, it will be a major lead title for Pan and Macmillan in 2023. So exciting. Oh, congrats to us, Lot. Congrats. I'm sorry. I'm going to slap ourselves on the back quite hard. (laughs) 
look who's here. It's the amazing Munro Bergdorf. So we can just let her in. and throw my book away (laughs) and let's talk about her book. Fellow author, let's let her in. Hello, Munro. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. We're really excited to talk to you about your new amazing book, Transitional. You've got the hardback copy as well. Oh, yes, we do. We've gone all out. There we go. Oh, you do Um, too. Fab. Yes. Love. Yes. What did you think? It's fabulous, darling. We loved it. Really, it's so it's moving in parts, and it's just like heartwarming and like congratulations. Honestly, thank you. it's really beautiful. How does it, you know, obviously it's so, it's such a a personal thing for you to share. Mm. Like, how does that feel sharing that with the world? Like putting it out there? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, I was just anxious and then I was just excited. And now because the book is out so soon, I'm like just feeling everything. I think that that's better than just feeling like scared or like wholly excited. I think there would be something very wrong if I was just feeling like a singular emotion. Uh, but yeah, I don't really know how people are going to receive it because I don't really share that much about my personal life on social media. I, I like to reserve that for real for reality <laughs> and for my friends and, you know, my loved ones. And um, I think we, you know, we live in a culture where people are just encouraged to consistently pump themselves into a billionaire owned machine all the time. (laughs) And I think that it's sometimes important to hold things back for yourself until you're ready. And I think that this is my um, way of sharing it because I'm ready to. And I feel like it's, you know, a great opportunity not many trans people get to tell our stories. Mm, and it's so important yeah. that we do, especially when we're erased from history. Uh, so the more that we share and the more that um, we talk about how it makes us feel and the more that we root it in what has happened within history and show that we are part of this story too, uh, we need more things like that. So I, I'm really, really happy that I got the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's such a powerful book. And I just wanted to read a short bit from it, which is always super awkward when someone reads you back your own book in in your face. But um, (laughs) it's only a few lines because it really resonated for me. And I thought it would be an interesting starting point for our discussion. So it's the bit where you say, if we can apply transitional thinking to our lives, we can begin to deconstruct both the internal barriers within ourselves and the external barriers between each other. I just think that's so beautifully put. And I was wondering if you could tell us a bit more about this idea of transitional thinking, specifically what it might mean for queer people listening. Well, the idea of transitional thinking is that nothing is permanent and everything has undergone its own experience of change. What we take as verbatim now, a lot of the time, has undergone so many revisions and has undergone its own evolution. You know, what we class as a woman now is not what society deemed a woman 50, 100 years ago. You know, religion itself has undergone revisions. You know, Henry VIII created a whole new church just so that he could get divorced. Um, (laughs) You know, the Bible has been revised um, so many times. 
You know, it's, it's really important that these institutions and definitions that we have in our modern world reflect reality. And I think that what we're seeing currently is people push against reality. It's a reality, it's a fact that trans people exist. It's a reality, it's a fact that women exist in the way that they do now. So when we're pushing against um, a reality, it's forcing people to live lives that don't fulfill them, that harm them actively, that harm everybody, really. Because, you know, we, we, we can even see it with men in how the pressures put on men to live a life that no longer feels good for them is driving them to suicide at disproportional rates. So when we apply transitional thinking and encourage people to live a life that feels good for them, that doesn't necessarily need to be in accordance with the rules that we are all subjected to, we can feel fulfilled and hopefully transition into a society where we're all much kinder to each other because these expectations are removed. I think that's a really interesting point about how, you know, obviously as people we all transition, but I think that's so like institutions, the world, the world transitions constantly. And it's crazy how people just don't really seem to catch up on that. Do they? they don't, it's like they hold on, don't they, to things? Yeah, I talk in, um, in, I think it's the first chapter about tradition, about how tradition should be something that we can look to for empowerment, but not necessarily as a cut and dry way of, you know, approaching the modern world because it doesn't leave enough room for change. If we're constantly trying to go back, how are we going to move forward? Because the past hasn't always got it right. Mm. So if we're only looking to the past in order to, you know, fulfill us in the present, and that's not going to happen. I think that we need to understand that two things can be true at once. And we can look to the past and look to our heritage and we look to tradition. But we also need to be real about the fact that the past is the past. And the place that we're in right now does not reflect that. Mm. But it is the product of that. So in order to make change, we need new rules. We need um, to understand that the future is really ours to shape. And the future has been shaped by people, as I say in the book, who have um, been told that the world that they want is a fantasy. And everything's fantasy until it's a reality. Civil rights movements, LGBT equality, feminist liberation, all of these things the people that fought for them were called fantasists and told that, you know, this goes against the way that the world should be. And um, I think the same is true with what trans people are fighting for, um, a, a world in which we are protected, encouraged, given dignity to live the lives that we want to live and not limited by the rules that don't apply to so many of us, not just trans people. And, you know, talking of rules and institutions, you obviously talk a lot about, well, you you, you mention and talk about Section 28 and the impact that, that that had personally on you. And going back to what we were saying, like, this is your own personal history that you're exploring in this book as well, which you're kind of putting out there into the world, which is wonderful because 
I feel one thing, and I'm sure you'd agree, that just doesn't happen is people forget that we're humans and that we don't just, you know, especially from the transgender community, you don't just wake up one day and go, oh, yeah, you know what? I want to transition. I'm going to transition. That's it. Great. Okay. It's a long journey to get there. And there's a lot of backstory. And I think having that written down and shared with people is really important. So on that point, talking about section 28 in the book, you know, you write the idea of being gay and having a family of your own was always demonized with parallels being drawn between same sex parents and child abusers by the mainstream media. And it's something Lot and I have talked a lot about in the sense of as queers, we're often just so sexualized, <laughs> you know, and hopefully, you know, our podcast is a testament to that. And we have come a long way, but obviously there's still a lot happening, you know, drag queen story times being, you know, banned, etc. I feel like from a general queer point of view, there's been a lot of steps made forward, but for transgender, it's just gone so backward, it feels. And for you, what's the like, where can we go to try and make sure that we are moving in the right direction, not just moving back? I think it really comes down to seeing people in the wholeness of their humanhood. I write in the book uh, when you were talking about us being sexualized as queer people, where I talk about love, how for heterosexual couples, Love is something that's reserved for heterosexuality a lot of the time. And for everybody else, we just get sex. Mm, so true. That's the lens that we are seen through, even when something has nothing to do with sex, such as drag queen story hour mm-hmm. or a same-sex couple wanting to have a child. It's really important that we are seen in the wholeness of our identity, not just in parts. And unfortunately, trans people are seen in parts. We're either seen as, you know, monstrous by certain people or sexually obscene by certain people. It usually boils down to the visual. And because being trans is such a visual experience insofar as how people react to us, you know, we're constantly Mm -hmm. reminded of the fact that we are trans unless, you know, we assimilate into society and then access the the privileges that come with passing, which shouldn't be, a, you know, a proviso for living a life of dignity. Mm. We should be able to live a life of dignity regardless of how we look, regardless of whether or not we fit an ideal expected gender presentation. So I think really what we need is people to understand that being trans is just a part of who we are and disenfranchising a whole section of society based on one part of who they are diminishes our human rights and follows a trend of what has happened before mm. you know when we, we when we were seeing black people be kept out of white only spaces because they were black not because of any other reason, just because of what those people thought blackness represented. And the people that make the rules for so many others, taking one part of a person's identity and running with it and then turning it into a threat. And whether or not it's gay people, whether or not it's black people, whether or not it's migrants, whether or not it's, you know, this, that, the other, it's about 
the diminishing of human identity and human dignity. You talk so brilliantly throughout the book about gender and the limitations of binaries, but something that really stood out to me as someone who's very much in the queer parenting space is the ridiculousness of gender reveal parties, which (laughs) you mentioned in the book. (laughs) And it's a pet hate of ours on the show. Um, And I just wondered if you could tell us a bit about why you think this celebration of involuntary identity, as you put it, is so damaging? Well, I think it's damaging because you're you're not really waiting until you um, meet the individual. You're, it's really the, the imposing of ideals and expectations based on genitalia. And um, I don't know, I, I think it's, I think it's very reductive. Um, ultimately, you know, people should do whatever they want with their kids. But I think that people should definitely um, think about the impact that it may have, especially when pink for girls, blue for boys, that in itself is extremely, like, passe. But it's, that's that's the thing, isn't it? It's like if it was more... <laughs> it's like if it was less, like, stereotypical, mm. then actually maybe there, there wouldn't be so much of an issue, like, you know, hurrah, it's a boy and there's pink unicorns and everything <laughs> flying yeah. around. Like, why not? It's a baby, you know? It's like, this is... It's just... It's crazy. Yeah. It's very wild to me that so much of that baby's future is hinged on their gender. Mm. So much of what those parents expect for their kids goes back to their gender identity. Mm. And I think it also hinges on why we're seeing so much transphobia within society. Because people, I think, really take it very, very personally. And, you know, gender means a lot to people. I think that people need to start thinking, Mm. am I living within a glass prison, you know? Am I really being held ransom by how I view gender because of how society puts so much importance on it? You know, a kid's future shouldn't be dependent on their gender identity, um, shouldn't be dependent on, you know, their assigned gender. Their gender identity an expression of gender can be freeing and is freeing for so many people. It's extremely freeing for me. Um, You know, I've got no limitations by how I express myself, but the roles that I am prescribed by society and then, you know, everything that comes after that with, you know, um, the, the the single sex schools and the the idea that you know you're expected with your involuntary identity that you know people start curating before you're even born to live up to that as a kid mm. and when you don't live up to it the disappointment that you can feel as a child you know I felt extremely you know me and my dad really get on now so you know I'm not trashing my dad now <laughs> but um you know I felt extremely isolated and I felt like a disappointment when I was a kid because I really didn't live up to what was expected of me um before I was even born because you went there was it was you went to a same-sex school correct and Mm. yeah it's just I like even in our town we still have an all-boys school there's an all-girls school down the road and the thought of sending my kids to one of those just feels like it just it it just would never happen I just would not and we are very lucky in the situation as well where because we adopted our children 
they almost get a bit of a free pass to whatever school they want to go to, which I always like. It's always like a bit of a great. It's always like a bit of a bonus to adopting because they get to have the preference. But if we didn't have that and it was the only school in our catchment area, it may be that they would have to go there. And I just don't know how I would feel about that because I just everything you just said, it's crazy that that even happens. I just think the whole the whole school system and the idea about how it functions really needs to be revolutionized because we're not preparing kids for the reality of the world in a lot of ways. You know, only recently LGBT relationships have been um, introduced into the curriculum and even that's coming up against protest. You know, we're, we're seeing conservative MPs argue that critical race theory should be banned from schools, which is essentially just racism being explored from the perspective of the people that it affects, rather than just being watered down as a, you know, Martin Luther King exploration from the perspective of white people. I think it's really important that we reflect the world as it is and that we teach the world as it is. And I don't really think that a single sex education prepares boys for, and obviously not all of those are actually going to be cisgender boys, Mm. um, but I don't think that it really prepares those students for um, interacting with a world where boys are not the only people. Mm. I think that mixed education is really important and learning what is appropriate before you are a young adult, ideally. In terms of then children, a bit of a pushy parent question here myself, but like in terms of yourself then, is it something that, you know, do you see children on your cards, you know, and if you don't, then was it more the possibility that you ever felt, and I know you talk in the book about feeling that you, you couldn't, could you, you know, talk a little bit about that, about that feeling of growing up and yourself transitioning and how that affects how you might or may not want to have had children in your future? I absolutely want children. I do want children. Um, it's a matter of when really, um, <laughs> I don't know how, um, I would, um, you know, fit it into my life as it is, but, uh, I definitely do want kids at some point. Um, I think that I'll probably end up having kids with my best friend. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. He's already said that um, he would love he would love that to happen. So I don't know how my so we're kind of co-parenting. Um, I d- yeah, vibe. kind of. Yeah, I think more like from a donor perspective. Okay. Amazing. Um, I've got actually got a partner. I don't know if he is as set on kids as I am. I think in terms of like parental dynamics, everything's so open these days. And it's really about what you make it, like what you make of it for yourself. And I, I've got single parent friends who are women who are single parents by choice because they have the resources to and because you know that's that's something that they want to do for themselves Mm. but they also like Mm. you know take the mentality of it takes a village as well so there's lots of people in those kids lives Mm. so uh yeah yeah well the sense of family has transitioned exactly yeah Yeah. like that's another thing that is a constant transition maybe that's for book two (laughs) and actually on that like Stu and I have spoken quite a bit in the past about the experience of becoming a parent being a transition in your own life 
um, which I'm really interested in because it, you know, it changes you so fundamentally. You're the same person and yet you're so changed. And I think this idea that we're in this ever evolving like flow throughout our lives is something really important to to recognize and almost embrace. And I was wondering if you thought that we needed to be as a society a bit more aware of these moments in life as transitional and kind of like revel in the disruption that they cause? I think we do. I think it's so important that we do revel in the disruption. I think that a lot of it's fear. It's the unknown about what's on the other side and the comfort of tradition, the comfort of following a routine or following what you know. But when we take a chance on what we want because it's scary but it's like anything you know it's like career curveballs or it's like going to the next school after your previous one or going to university all of these big moments in our lives are scary and I think that so many people forget that making real change is scary because you don't know what's on the other side so I don't know I would encourage more people to just take that jump and um, you know go for what feels good in your gut rather than what you're expected to do I think that really this book focuses a lot on what we're the, the parallel of what we're expected to do and what we should do for us and what more is transitioning than doing what is right for you and sometimes that's going against um what other people uh put the box that other people put you in um and i know that that's something that all trans people will be nodding their heads at because you know every single day is like a defiance um but every single day is wholly worth it and that is a a beautiful thing for people kind of to take away as well that thing of like especially you know everything that you have to go through knowing that every day is worth it and every day is going to get better as well and it will get better and things do progress you talk so beautifully about your own childhood and adolescence in this book do I you do I think you really do I think you paint a really like obviously a lot of ups and downs for you during that time and obviously you've connected so much with that that child within you. What, you know, to wrap this up today, what words of wisdom would you give your younger self if you could, if you could hop in a time machine and go back, what would you say to little Monroe? Hold on to the magic. You have to hold on to the magic. It's it's just so heartbreaking how society really bashes it out of young people and encourages them to, there's a passage of me talking about being realistic and how we should really be encouraging young people to hold on to what makes them magic. And I don't know, it's just such a shame. We see it always, we see it happening so often, how, you know, parents will unknowingly a lot of the time become their kids first bully 
and whether or not it's, you know, them just trying to shape their kid into being mini versions of themselves or trying to encourage their kid to serve a purpose if it's, you know, continuing like their legacy or joining the family business. I think it's really important that we see kids as individuals and individuality is magic because it's what we organically gravitate towards. Well, Munro, I've got no doubt that if and when the time is right, you are going to make an incredible parent and we can't wait to welcome you into the Queer Parenting Club. Thank you so, so much, guys. It means a lot. No pressure. We're like, me and Stu are like those pushy aunts at family gatherings now that are just like, when are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? We've got an agenda. (laughs) But thank you so much for joining us. Your book is called Transitional. It is out now. Thank you. Monroe, that was so fab. Thank you. Thank you, Monroe. What an amazing guest. I love Monroe and everything she does is so important and this book is definitely worth reading. It's now time, listener, for us to potentially ruin somebody's life with some advice. No, (laughs) seriously, we're we're getting better at being agony aunts and we have a listener problem and this is a good one. So I think we have a voice note from the listener that sent us a voice note. Should Should we play it? Yeah, this is from Kai and he sent us a voice note and hang on. Oh my goodness, how do I work out how to play this? Hang on, here we go. Dear Lottie and Stu, I'm a trans man and soon-to-be seahorse dad. I'm having some issues with my changing body, which I won't go into too much, but I really need some styling advice. I've got a small bump, so probably just look a bit overweight, to be honest. Any tips on clothes shops or brands that I should be looking at? I describe my normal style as preppy. Well, okay, that's an interesting one. It's a good one, one. isn't it? So I actually had this problem in advance when um, Kai sent it to us earlier in the week. And I reached out to some of my friends in the fashion world, um, which I'm still like desperately clinging on to by its um, tails. Thank God. Does that mean we don't actually have to answer it and just get it all hideously wrong? It does. We have an expert. So I actually have a stylist friend who I used to work with at Elle called Felicity K. And Felicity is an amazing stylist she styles oscar nominee paul mezcal and also (gasps) our very first ever guest she is ben aldridge's stylist oh my god amazing right so does that mean we can get paul on oh yeah just like oh my god we get paul let's get paul and talk about after sun which i've still not seen yet i need to i've not seen it i really really want to see that and relevant to the show right because it's yeah well it's parenting daddy Daddy. yeah yeah let's let's watch it and we'll talk about it anyway sorry kai Um, This is what Felicity says. She says, oh, thank you for asking me. The first thing I thought of when I read your message, Kai, was one of Raph Simmons' most celebrated collections, the 2016 Autumn Winter Show known as Apocalyptic Prep. It's my style that I on the school run. This show is incredible. (laughs) I'm going to look it up now while you're reading out his response. So Felicity goes on. The proportions of that show are oversized cricket jumpers, over voluminous button-down shirts that fall between the bum. And then to balance all that volume on the bottom half, slim cut tailored trousers and smart boots. I'm not for a minute suggesting your listener goes out and shops vintage raff, but it's a great visual reference for an approach that they could take. Focusing on oversized shirts, jackets or jumpers they already own perhaps, or that they could buy from anywhere for early bump phase 
and then maybe a maternity shirt or jumper for the later phase, keeping long oversized shapes in mind. And then just balance that out with maternity smart tailored trousers or leggings from any maternity brand. Just ignore all the terrible styling while you're shopping. (laughs) She also says, and this is such a fashion thing to say, I love it. (laughs) I also really believe in the power of the shoe or coat. How would the shoe work with the... You're right, that's so fashion. That's like Patsy's, you can never have enough hats. Hats, gloves, gloves, shoes shoes. and coats. I love that. (laughs) It's basically like you can wear whatever you want. Just don't worry about it if you've got an amazing shoe. Okay. So if he has like some killer brogues or... I've had a look at Raph's stuff. I mean, I do like the oversized look at the moment. The problem is, is when you've got like my body shape is just, it just does not work with oversized stuff. A lot of the time I look like a, like a balloon. <laughs> that <laughs> like is a blimp. not true. <laughs> no, but hopefully that's helpful, Kai. My, my advice would be get yourself down to Matalan, have a look. There'll be some nice baggy <laughs> t-shirts there as well, in case you can't afford the raft stuff. <laughs> but let's look at that queer parenting fashion. Let's let's move oh, that okay. into a new oh, feature. No. Listener, okay. oh, look out. We will get some we will get some queer parenting fashion going on. It'll be like this morning, darling, or Lorraine <laughs> when they trot out with their like <laughs> yeah. their mum and dad looks. My daughter is off school today, feeling a little unwell, although she looks all right to me, to be honest. <laughs> Madam, come in here. Come here. There you go. So she's joined us now. This is my little madam. So, madam, do you want to say thank you very much for everyone for listening? Because you can read now, can't you? Can you read that there? Thank you so much, listeners. If you like this episode, please do share it um, with your friends and leave us a comment wherever you're you get our podcast. Yeah. Oh, thank you, darling. Wow, reading yeah. you're doing so well. I so, got a little bit stuck where it was. Yeah, some difficult words in there. I think you did uh, really well. And if you could just say one more time, just say thank you and goodbye. Thank you and goodbye. So as my little one said, thank you so much for listening. And if you do like this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a comment wherever you get your podcast. And if you'd like to get in touch with us with a problem, maybe a fashion dilemma, maybe it's all kicking off on the WhatsApp group at school. Maybe you just don't know what to do with your life anymore. Maybe you want to have another kid, but you don't know how. Whatever. Get in touch with us. We would love to hear from you and we will do our best to help you with whatever it may be. Please email us, lovetyandstew at gmail.com. Bye for now. <laughs>